Howdy, I'm Kate Kavanaugh, and you're listening to the Mind, Body, and Soil podcast, where we're laying the groundwork for our land, ourselves, and for generations to come by looking at the way every thread of life is connected to one another. Communities above ground mirror the communities below the soil, which mirror the vast community of the cosmos. As the saying goes, as above, so below. Join me as we take a curious journey into agriculture, biology, history, spirituality, health, and so much more. I can't wait to unearth all of these incredible topics alongside you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mind, Body, and Soil podcast. I am your host, Kate Cavanaugh, and I'm so excited to be coming to you from the year 2024 with a whole slate of podcasts that are booked and ready to go. We should be rolling weekly from here on out. I hope. Gosh, do I hope. I'm excited to give you this little mini solo episode that I've sort of been dreaming up and then recorded in without a lot of planning, which tends to be how I, I function. And then sometimes I'll go and I'll record a second round that's a little bit more cohesive. But sometimes that first take is just exactly what it needs to be. This is a very New Year's oriented podcast. And I do say at the outset that I have I have this tension with goal setting. But before we dive into some of the specifics, I've been really working on acknowledging what a community it takes to produce this podcast, especially in terms of the ideas that are set forth. I produce the entire podcast, but There's a lot that happens in the background of conversations that I am having that really inspire this. And I think it's really easy to feel like people's ideas happen in a vacuum. And I really want to disabuse myself and anyone else of that notion. And so I have a lot of people to thank for this podcast. The first that comes to mind is Aaron Pate, who introduced me to the idea of Type 2 Fun. We recorded some podcasts together that you can find and that I'll try to link here in the show notes. Ed Robertson, who is always an inspiration. We also uh, recorded a podcast together. He runs the Mountain and Prairie podcast. And he's the one who introduced me to Brendan Leonard's work. He runs the blog Semirad that inspired some of the content of this podcast. At the time that I was prepping this, I was also reading a lot of Julia Skinner's work on creating a creative process. And I just sat down with her today to record an episode. And so while this is a little bit more goal-oriented, it actually lays the groundwork for some of the ideas that I explore with Julia in our episode together that I think will launch on the the week of the 16th of January, and a lot about how we can kind of set some very different type of goal, a a very non-output-oriented goal, and, and create processes for our creative work. Um, And I was also inspired by my friend Anthony Gustin, who makes an incredible year-end review template and is just an overall magical human being. I've also had him on the podcast. He runs a beautiful podcast himself called The Natural State and is just a really good thinker of systems and how we review our lives. And I really appreciate that. 
I also want to thank my friend Isa Lopez, with whom I have had a lot of conversations about the in-betweens, which this podcast is very much about. So just a little note, these things don't happen in a, a vacuum. They are, they are ideas that are percolating beneath the surface in concert of constellation, as a constellation of conversations that we are having. Um, yeah, so this is a little episode that explores for those of us that enjoy setting goals, and I talk about the tension of not wanting to get caught up in these societal expectations of goal setting, but also desiring to set goals for myself, and then exploring a little bit about type two fun, which I talk a lot about on my Instagram in my walk talks, which are something that I have been cultivating in my Instagram stories pretty frequently, just exploring how much walking and hiking has meant to be, how much it's changed me. And I actually want to share a little story around that at the outset. I have been walking most of my life. Um, I walked a lot as a as a child, and I walked and have done a lot of hiking in adulthood. But a while ago, when I got sick, I really didn't do very much. I did some yoga, but walking is what really brought me back. And when I got really sick while I was living in Denver, I would go on just little walks throughout my neighborhood in the city. And when I moved to the farm, I became really, really ill and really could only stand to to get up and maybe move around the barns and, and walk a little bit. But slowly but surely, about three years ago, I went from being almost bedridden uh, to slowly regaining some strength. And I began with walking. And this has always given me a great space to explore my inner terrain. And <laughs> I began walking and just slowly building. And last year, uh, the, the last nine or 10 months of 2023, so the majority of the year, I was really building up to doing, averaging 15,000 steps a day. At different points, I was doing between 35 and 50 miles a week that I was walking. And there was this hill I would walk up, and right at the top, there was this little gate that perfectly framed these mountains. And almost every day when I would go for my hike, I would take a picture of these mountains. And sometime in November, I decided I wanted to switch into some hiking. I found some trails that were just a 10, 15 minute drive from the house and switched to hiking and being the hyper fixated type of person I am, where once I love doing something, I just want to do it over and over and over again, which is kind of helpful sometimes. <laughs> and I talk a little bit on this podcast about what it means to be somebody who's kind of all in and doesn't know how to moderate. But <laughs> one of the things that happened was I just started hiking these mountains and I, I didn't go back to my walk. And so every day I was out in the mountains doing four to seven mile hikes and getting to the summit of oftentimes of this mountain that's local to me and doesn't feel like a mountain because I'm from the West and I now live on the East Coast and we have these little hills that are still mountains, I suppose. 
And as I was walking to the top, so today I took a I took the same walk for the first time in, in quite a while. And as I got to the top and I got to the gate where I always take this picture, I realized that for eight months, nine months, I had been taking a picture of the mountains that I now climb to the top of. And this felt really profound to me <laughs> because there was something that I think I was longing for that I didn't even know. I think I was pointing myself towards the future in a way that I couldn't even name at the time. And as I came down the hill, I saw this trajectory of what one step at a time, one foot in front of the other has meant as a compounding over the last three years that I went from little walks to bigger walks to even bigger walks to climbing mountains that I was looking at every single day. And I think that so often we are pointing ourselves in the right direction without even knowing it. We don't even know that we are building our future as boots on the ground until we've reached a point where we can see it in reverse, in retrospect. And I think that this is true in a literal way, and I think it's also true in a figurative way, that we don't know what foundations we are building in these moments right now with these tiny little steps that are absolutely going to be transformative or form the basis for our dreams in the future. And, and that is such an incredible gift. And it was such a gift to see that over the course of three years, I went from taking baby steps to climbing mountains that I had unknowingly been taking pictures of this entire time. And now I am getting to the top of them in the middle of December, in the middle of winter. And I didn't even know that that was something I was building to, that that was something I was quote unquote training for. And I, because I was focused on the process, I was focused on my relationship to walking is a strengthening of my relationship to myself. It is a strengthening of my relationship to my thoughts and my inner terrain, which can often feel very rocky and of quieting those voices in my head that make me feel anxious or uncomfortable in this world, as well as allowing my, my mind to heal and to roam and meander and have ideas and thoughts and also to listen to audiobooks, which I've talked a lot about here. But I wanted to share that story because it felt it felt really amazing to all of a sudden see those mountains that I had taken uh, probably hundreds of pictures of and know that now I'm climbing them. So I just want to remind you that what we are doing on a daily basis is laying the groundwork for 
a future that we can't always see, that we might be pointing ourselves in a direction. We might not know where it's leading, but it is still building towards something one one step at a time. And when I'm walking, I'm always amazed, especially when I'm walking up hills where you can kind of look back at just how much ground you can cover one step at a time. And so I just want to remind you of that as we ease into the new year. And we have some really exciting stuff coming up on the Mind, Body, and Soil podcast. I cannot wait to bring it to you. I cannot wait to be here with you. And I thank you for being here with me. Thank you for sticking it out with me through 2023, which was a rough year for me. And I know that podcasts were inconsistent. I'm hoping to regain some of that consistency in 2024 and to do it with you. If you love this podcast, please subscribe so you catch all of the awesome guests that we have coming up and feel free to leave a rating and review if if you're moved to do so. And here's to taking one step at a time, one foot in front of the other in the year 2024. Without further ado, here is me talking a lot after you just listened to me talk a lot. Are you excited? Dun, dun, dun. I think I actually meant that to be a drum roll and not uh, an impending sense of doom, but <laughs> we're just going to roll with it. Here I am. Hello, and welcome to the Bind Body and Soil podcast. I am your host, Kate Cavanaugh, and it is a pleasure to be here with you. I'm recording this on New Year's Day. I went for a hike, and some ideas that I had been playing with just seemed to coalesce, and so I thought I'd hop on here, and we're just going to hope that this comes out right the first time, because I don't tend to plan my solo episodes as well as perhaps I should, but I think it's important to strike while the iron is is hot as it were. I've been thinking a lot about laying the groundwork, and I think that this episode is going to be a lot about what it means to lay the groundwork for a new year. And I'm going to tell you, I'm tempted to go back to that name. So for my my new listeners, Groundwork used to be the name of this podcast, and it's been, it's been bubbling up for me a lot. So it might be around the corner. Who knows? It's really exciting to be here with you today. I've spent the last few weeks really working on an end of year review and preparing myself for the new year. And I think that this is such an interesting day and such an interesting time of year, right? Because I think that in our capitalism-driven culture, our productivity-driven culture, This is a time where we have learned just from society that we set new goals for ourselves, that we create resolutions for the new year and we reimagine what we could be and how much more we could do in a day, in a month, in a week, in a year. And I don't love that. And I have spent a lot of time this last year unpacking where the origins of some of the most pervasive themes in our culture have come from. And a lot of it really, really comes from the idea of how to create a more productive worker. 
the more I do this podcast, the more I see the way that corporations want to wring every last minute, penny, dollar out that they can and how that has changed and shaped our world. At the same time, I really enjoy setting goals and I really enjoy reflecting on my year and preparing a little bit for the year that's to come and and imagining what it is that I would like to step into. And so there's this tension there, right? There's this tension between not wanting to get caught up in grind culture and hustle culture, but also appreciating what it is to have some internal reflections and to create some goals for the new year. In this, I've been thinking a lot about in-betweens. This is going to be the recurrent theme of this episode. And when I think about in-betweens, I think about the space where a Venn diagram overlaps. And I think about an edge zone in an ecosystem where a forest and a field come together or a wetland and a forest come together. And in those edges, in those in-between spaces, that is where life proliferates. It is where you find the most diversity. It is the overlap. When I think about in-between spaces, I think about those transitional spaces in our lives where we are neither here nor there, when we aren't exactly in any one place, but we're in limbo or we're waiting. And then sometimes I wonder if that's just all of life, if it's just a continuum of being neither here, neither here nor there. And that, and that might very well be the case. And in that case, I think that we have to really start to recognize these in-betweens. And I think the in-betweens are also those things that exist on a spectrum. They are the infinite gray space that exists where black and white just aren't. It is the gray area. And I think for a lot of us, there's a lot of discomfort in the in-betweens. We want to be here. We want to be there. We want to know exactly where it is that we are to be able to name it. And I think the truth is that we spend a lot of our life in process, not knowing exactly where we are. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. I'm going to look up the definition of process, actually. A natural phenomenon marked by gradual changes that leads towards a particular result. A continuing natural or biological activity or function. A series of actions or operations conducing to an end. Hmm. I love that. Love that. A natural phenomenon marked by gradual changes. And, and this, is a, this is a really good way of looking at this because all of life is kind of gradual. I think that desire to be here or there are those moments when we can't see that our position relative to the world is constantly in flux. So this is an episode about in-betweens. I actually want to start in the forest, I mentioned I mentioned the edge zones between a field and a forest. 
And I was in the forest this morning for a hike to begin my new year. I hike in this area that has it has 35, 40 miles of different trails throughout it. And so I'll, I'll pick different trails on a daily basis. It's about a 10, 15 minute drive from my house. And so it's just very convenient. I love being out there. Feels like the wilderness in an almost Western way for somebody who lives on the East Coast, but is from the West. And I came out in this clearing. I don't really know when it was cleared, but it has stayed cleared. Um, it was obviously logged at some point, And in it are some very, very old trees. It's a very old birch tree. There is a very old maple tree. And today the maple tree really stood out. And I looked at that maple tree with these sprawling branches, just this massive old tree that it would take three, four of me to wrap my arms around. And I saw all the ways that it had reached out and expanded towards the sun. And I thought, what would it take to be a little bit more like that tree? And since goals were on my mind, I wondered to myself, do you think a tree has a goal? And I think perhaps it does. And we, we could call that the tree has a biological drive. And we could also call that there are deep mysteries in complex organisms that we can scarcely understand. And so whatever is driving that tree might be biology and it might be something else and it might be a little bit of both and everything in between. But let's talk about a very simple biological drive for that tree, which is to maximize its exposure to the sun so that it can harness the solar energy in photosynthesis to create a rich life. And this tree, being in a clearing, had spread out in every conceivable direction in order to fully take advantage of all of that space and maximize the amount of branches that can grow leaves, that can harness the energy from the sun. And I climbed up the hill that's behind this tree and walked again into the dense forest in the spot where I hike in, in Vermont, where maples and ash and a couple of oak and many different trees exist together. And as I was in the denser part of the forest, I noticed that some trees were as straight and narrow as they come, no lower branches, and just reaching, reaching, reaching for the canopy where they then spread out their branches so that they too could maximize their exposure to the sun. But something rather magical happens in the tree canopy where trees both are maximizing their own potential for photosynthesis and they are negotiating within the canopy with other trees to make sure that they have enough space. They actually rarely touch. And I'll put some videos in the show notes of a tree canopy negotiating space, but it's a really beautiful thing where you can watch them not touch. And so that that kind of brings into 
mind this idea that perhaps a tree also has a goal to to serve and to be a member within its community. And I really loved this. I loved this because I think that there are times where it makes sense for us to spread our branches and to stretch out. And there are times in which we have to walk a, a very narrow focus and, and to be very, very direct and to be on a path uh, versus this sort of meandering, big, voluptuous growth. And this fit really perfectly because I've been thinking a lot about in terms of goals, um, that a lot of the goals that we set for ourselves exist on a spectrum uh, that I've been thinking about as something that goes from, from buck wild to <laughs> very tightly controlled. Um, and in the middle somewhere is moderation. And when I thought about the, the top of this, this tightly controlled, there are a lot of different words I thought about using. I thought about austerity, and I thought about adherence. I thought about something being very narrow, very conservative. I thought about perfection. I thought about strict, and I thought about eliminating. And I think a lot of these words have a lot of different connotations and different connotations for different people. I know that for me, I quickly threw out perfection because as a recovering perfectionist, I want nothing to do with such things, and I don't believe it exists. I thought about strictness, which again feels like something that's societal, which immediately makes me want to rebel. If I had a strict teacher, then I was the first one to really test those boundaries. And I thought about adherence some, and I think that that had, had some resonance for me. And again, you know, how you sit with these words is going to be different than the way that I sit with these words. And I thought about austerity, which actually in some ways had some resonance for me too, or something that's a little bit more conservative in the way that I think a lot of this is we're conserving for something. Not quite sure, but I really want you to think at this end of the spectrum that there's a, a word that fits and that resonates with you. I'll probably use a mixture of these. But there is this spectrum. And one of the things I've noticed lately, especially having been a part of a lot of dietary culture, having been a butcher and working with meat, I've talked a lot about diets. And when I say diets, I mean like a carnivore diet or eliminating certain aspects of a diet like seed oils or sugars. Been a part of that culture for a very long time. And one of the things that I have noticed as of late is that it is becoming increasingly focused on, and I don't think there's another word for it, purity. And I think that this actually tips over into a lot of other really negative things. And I think that it leaves no space, uh, no space for businesses, no space for people, no space for realness. And I think it just really puts me off. I find it a little bit repulsive these days, this sort of purity aspect of things that just all in 100% all of the time. 
And as I was thinking about this, I realized that there were times in my life when that deeply served me as somebody who was very, very sick. And so there were times in my life when I did not eat seed oils, sugar, vegetables, fruits, uh, gluten, any anything of the sort, dairy, um, for very long stretches of time. And it really served me in, in healing my body at a time that my body needed those levels of austerity, those levels of adherence. But I think that the goal is always to reach a space where we are we are, you know, more into a little bit of moderation and definitely into some diversity and not into just clinging and holding so tightly to those reins. But I did want to acknowledge that throughout my healing journey, when I went from being virtually bedridden um, almost three years ago to being able to hike five miles, you know, five, six times a week, took at times some pretty wild elimination and some pretty strict adherence, as it were, to some of those goals. Now I'm able to flex a little bit more and I'm able to dip into something more moderate, but something that I've talked about on this podcast with my friend Ed Robertson, who runs the Mountain and Prairie podcast, is that we're just not very moderate people. Um, it, we are kind of all or nothing people. And this has been very true for me for a lot of my life. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've found that I actually able, am able to dip into some moderation. And so, you know, for those of you that have followed for a really long time, there was a period of time where I was, I was sober and I didn't drink anything, um, and was able to open up that relationship with alcohol where I'll have what are very occasional drinks at this point. Um, and my diet, I used to be a strict carnivore and I really needed that at the time in the same way that I really needed sobriety at that time. And then was able to come back to a space of moderation. And so just, just like these goals, right? Just, just like these goals, there's, there's kind of this gray space in between. And really it's where we are in life and our relationship to a thing. And I'm going to come back to that idea of the tree in a minute. So don't, don't, don't forget about these trees. Okay. I need you to do that. But since I'm speaking about Ed Robertson, I want to bring in this idea that I had. So does a tree have a goal? We don't really know, but we sometimes want to make goals despite knowing that perhaps some of this goal-making culture has been pressed on us by society at large. And we still desire to do that. And so one of the things that I really thought about this year is that I want my goal setting to be less about output and more about process. We talked about this process that is marked by gradual changes. And I think when we're thinking about a goal as output, a good example of this is to think about a body composition goal. I want to weigh X or I want to look like X or a physical health goal. I want to be able to do 50 pull-ups. I want to be able to do whatever, you know, whatever that is. Or it's an eating goal. I, I want to eliminate sugar. Or it's some sort of relationship goal that you want to shift a relationship in your life, whether it's with yourself or you want to become 
a meditator. I want, I want to meditate five times a week. But I tried to sort of reframe this as what does a goal look like as a process that so many of these things are are a relationship that is between self and between that thing, whether that is your physical health, your exercise routine, your diet, and then involves other people, whether directly, if that's a relationship goal, but sometimes indirectly, if you have a diet-related goal and there are other people in your household that make navigating that a little bit trickier. And so oftentimes, we want to look at goal as process. How is that process changing me? How are those gradual changes occurring within me? How is this shifting and changing my relationship to the thing itself? And so for an example of this, one of my goals is really around becoming more organized digitally, especially the way that I consume books and podcasts and to keep all of my notes in a space where I can begin to better interact with them. And so I don't have this goal as become an organized person or get my digital space organized, but I want to change my relationship to organizing to one that I am excited about and enjoying the process of taking all of this knowledge that I take in and putting it in a space where I can put it together and manipulate it in different ways to create some exciting things in the future that I won't I won't fully detail here. And so it's my relationship to this thing. It's re- my relationship to my digital space that I want to change. I also really want to incorporate some some different modalities of exercise to not only be hiking, um, to be doing more strength training, to maybe get my bike out again and have a little bit more versatility. And so that goal is the process of sort of becoming a little bit more flexible in my exercise and and building some strength as somebody who, and I have a running joke, that if I don't go hiking five times a week, I will go hiking zero times. This is actually a really good example of where I am a poor moderator. I need a certain level of commitment in order to keep that momentum going. And if I go less, I just really kind of stop going. And so that actually is one place where I have I have some problems moderating at this point in my life. But all of these goals essentially represent, right? So you have where you are right now, point A. And you have your goal, which is often this, this point B in the near or distant future that represents a whole new you. And What I want to tease out is what happens in between and how can I create some sustainability around my goal to that process, that gradual change that is happening in between. And I brought up my friend, Ed Robertson. Him and I have had a chat on this podcast and he runs a great newsletter um, and his podcast, Mountain and Prairie, is fantastic. If you haven't checked it out, you absolutely should. But in his newsletter the other day, he mentioned a gentleman whose name is Brendan Leonard, who runs a blog called Semi-Rad. And I went down this whole rabbit hole because I really liked his outlook. And I found this quote in there. He, he wrote this great piece around goals. And the quote is, 
The way I choose to function is to pick an arbitrary, stupid goal, become totally involved in it, and pursue it with vigor. And what happens to you in that pursuit is your life. Kenny Shopson. I loved this. Because what happens in between point A and point B of our goals is our life. Between point A and point B, all of those gradual changes are shifts in our relationship to that thing, to ourselves, to the people around us. It is the unfolding of life. And it is the foregoing of the idea that we are here and we are going to get there. When honestly, what unfolds is always in that in-between gray space. And so oftentimes, the best goals are ones that involve a more moderate approach and not these lightning strike changes, though those do happen and sometimes they are necessary. And I've been, I've been through both. So these are some of the thoughts that I've had about goal setting, how we set goals, how we set goals as processes, how we set goals, even, even if we, we know that goal setting is a little bit more hustle culture than we want to get into. And the spectrum that goals need to be set on. And look, like when I was my sickest, I needed, I needed that. And I'm so grateful that I was able to heal my, my, my body by and large by those austere measures. And I am also so grateful that I am able to incorporate more and more foods. Um, I've been incorporating some things that I never thought I would be able to eat again, uh, including cow dairy and um, some legumes. Uh, and and I'm loving it. It's just incredible to have that level of diversity uh, back into my diet. And I think that it is it is healing now. There was a time when it wasn't healing. And so this is also knowing what season of life we are in. Okay, with that in mind, I want to talk about a next little piece that I think fits together because I think oftentimes when we're setting goals, we know that maybe there's going to be some struggle in the middle. And some of that struggle might present itself as frustration as we learn a new skill, which if you listen to any Andrew Huberman, you'll know that's the place when neuroplasticity is really at its finest. You're really harnessing that as you move through frustration, or you're going to really move through some struggle in terms of if you have a physical strength goal or a goal for more steps. I know that I have a little bit of a step goal in mind this year, or maybe a vertical feet climbed goal. We'll, we'll see. I haven't, I haven't fully taken ownership of either of those things. I did almost 15,000 steps a day last year and it really changed my life. And so I, I'm kind of interested in that. Um, but one thing that I've been thinking about is how we motivate ourselves to reach our goals. And I've been thinking about this a lot because I've spent a lot of time in therapy, many years, decades in therapy. And one of the, and I took a year off of therapy last year for better or for worse. It was mostly a financial decision, but ultimately I think it's been interesting to see what has come up in lieu of having that aspect of verbal processing in my life and to see 
what sort of cream has risen to the top in terms of things that I'm thinking about. And some of it has been hard and some of it has been good. And this this next piece that I'm about to share with you has been something that has been a really big realization for me in the last year. And that is around this idea of struggle and type two fun and the carrot and the stick. So I have always referred to how I motivate myself as being a little bit more stick oriented. And I have spent the last decades, 15 years plus, 20 years in therapy um, with a lot of therapists talking to me about what would it take for me to give myself more of a carrot and not be such a tough driver of myself, to be so hard on myself. And I came to a realization this year that has been rather profound for me, and it's, I'm just not a carrot person. I'm never going to be particularly motivated by the carrot. I need a little bit of a smack on the butt to make my pony go, as it were. And this is what I've always categorized as the stick, right? And I mean, this analogy is is related to horses and, and, and sort of luring them with the carrot versus getting them to go with the stick. And this last year, I asked myself, well, well what if, what if at least at this point in my life, I enjoy the stick? We could call it something that's a little bit existentially kinky, We could also just say that I enjoy pushing against something or pushing back against something. And I do kind of love the struggle. And as I thought about this, I thought about, again, all these times in therapy when it was about, well, what would it take, you know, to invite ease into your life? And this is such a hard question. Like, do I do I desire ease in certain areas of my life where they are not there? Yes, absolutely. But as somebody who has struggled through a lot in their life, uh, from the word go, whether or not that is just imprinted on me and I don't know how to get out of that or not, I know that my willingness to struggle has brought me a lot of gifts in life. And one of the biggest ones was actually healing. And in retrospect, the work that I did to heal those austere measures that I applied to my diet, to certain aspects of my life, and were more of a struggle than being sick. And if I didn't love a challenge, love a little bit of of type two fun, love a little bit of existential kink, then I don't think I would be where I am today. And so as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about that desire to push against, to struggle, to, to have a little bit of the stick as a motivator. Um, something that I have started referring to as as sort of existentially kinky. And I've begun to embrace it. And maybe there will be a time in my life where the carrot is appropriate or where I can find a space of ease. But I know that for me right now, the stick is what works. And my question this year has become, how can I be kind to myself and gentle while using the stick. And so I never, I never talk 
badly to myself. I always cheerlead or talk to myself in a coaching way, you know, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to put on our long johns and our hiking boots. And we're going to, we're going to go out there. We're going to, we got to get this done and you can, you can do it. Uh, and sometimes I throw in Kavanaugh, I throw in my last name. Oh. <laughs> uh, so sometimes it's, we can do it Kavanaugh and it's always the Royal we, I don't know if I am Gollum or royalty, but it is always, it is always, we, we are going to go hiking precious. Um, and that, has brought me a lot of really good places. Okay, I take this stick. How can I use that in a kind, wield the stick benevolently and kindly in order to motivate myself towards some of my goals, some of my dreams in life? I know that Caroline Nelson and I talked a lot about this on our podcast together in sort of the way that we cheerlead ourselves. And I think that this goes a really long way, especially for those of us that might enjoy type two fun. Now, type two fun to me is yet another in between. Type two fun is something that isn't really fun while it's happening, but it's fun after it happened and you're looking back on it. And again, Brendan Leonard has some great stuff. He's a, he's a trail runner and an ultra marathoner, which I can't claim for my own, but he has some stuff where, you know, running is, you know, a thing that you love and the thing that you hate and running is in the middle of that Venn diagram. And I often feel the same way about hiking and about a lot of the physical activity I do and a lot of the goals that I set. It is sort of that Venn diagram of not loving it and also kind of loving it. So let me give you some definitions of type one and type two fun. Type one fun. This is from REI of all places. Type one fun is enjoyable while it's happening, also known as simply fun. Type two fun is miserable while it's happening, but fun in retrospect. It usually begins with the best intentions and then things get carried away. Wow, I don't like these definitions. Hang on, I might need to find different definitions of type two fun. This is all like trail stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Well, this is it. Yeah, it really is. Type one fun real fun. Type two fun, fun only in retrospect, not fun while it's happening. Type three fun is not fun at all. And so I've been speaking a lot about type two fun on my Instagram account because most mornings I start my day with a five or six mile hike, sometimes a little bit less. Sometimes I just go for a walk, but not very often these days. And to be honest, I really don't love it while I'm doing it. Uh, there's a lot of negotiation that happens with myself around, well, if you, if you just get out there, you, you don't have to go too hard. You can, you can just go as hard as you want to. You can take it easy or there's bribery involved that if I can get out the door, then I can have a, a little cup of, of coffee that comes with me. And won't that be nice? And afterwards, I can take a really hot shower. And won't that be wonderful? It's winter right now. If you're listening to this podcast in the summer, it would be something different. 
And so it might take a little bit of negotiation and bribery, but generally what I find once I get there and I've told myself I can take it as easy as I want and I believe myself because that's an important part of the stick that we have to create a a trustworthy keeper is that I want to struggle a little bit and that that struggle of uphill of a 1,600-foot gain over a mile and a half and how that feels in my body really quiets certain aspects of my mind. And it feels really good to achieve it at the end, though oftentimes while I'm doing it, I am not loving it. But when I get to the top of that mountain or when I reach the apex of my hike, things that we could kind of see as as more linear goals. I feel amazing, but I also feel amazing for a lot of the day afterwards. And I feel amazing in the process too. When I am struggling, when when I am overcoming the desire to turn around, the desire to stop, that process is when I feel a sense of strength within myself that is fairly new to me in my 35 years and a sense of resolve and a sense of, hmm, I think strength really defines it. And that is a bit of a new feeling, right? I've been sick for a lot of my life and in tough situations and it feels good to choose an aspect of struggle. And I also do think that it is a training ground for the parts of life that we are inevitably going to come up against and have to struggle around. I think it's good. I think it's it's good for us. I think that we have created a lot of environments and spaces, both digital, physical, and even just emotional where discomfort isn't welcome, but I think that discomfort is something that we go through to build those relationships and that relationship with discomfort, that type two fun, can be a really good space to explore and to build a foundation and to build mental processes around discomfort. And I know that in a lot of my my goals, it is to just sort of really enjoy that type two fun when I am making a process or when I'm changing my relationship to something. I know that mentioned that one of my big goals was kind of changing my digital organization, which I've avoided because I didn't want to learn a new system because that's uncomfortable because I hate watching YouTube videos because, and these are all, I mean, the biggest first world problems in the world, but I hate watching the YouTube videos and I didn't want to do it and I knew it was going to be uncomfortable, but then I got myself kind of psyched up about it and I'm, I'm really excited about this new digital system. And and that's just one example. But I think that type two fun really has a lot of gifts to offer us. And it is the in-between, right? It is the thing that is both fun and not fun and the overlap in that Venn diagram. 
One of the last things I'll say is that I usually like to set a word or a couple of words for the year that really help guide me. And, you know, this year is a lot about process and it's also a lot about building a foundation. I had a couple of conversations where goals I didn't know I had came out. One of them was that I want some stability, that I feel like I've had a lot of instability my whole life. And, and this last year has been a very unstable year for me. But I also know that I'm responsible for creating stability for myself. And so that looked like getting some of these processes and foundational tasks, um, some of which are mental, some of which are digital, some of which are physical together in order to build a stronger foundation where I can feel a sense of stability that also allows me to take some risks here in the future, especially from a career perspective. And another conversation with a great friend who's going to come on the podcast soon about how much we were clinging to any scrap of stability in our life, just clawing it, just clutching it. And that we wanted to loosen the grip, loosen the reins. And I think some of these foundational aspects of our lives, you know, for me, my life, for work, that's getting some of this digital organization down and some scheduling stuff down, which I have a really creative, weird relationship with where sometimes I'm really into it and sometimes I really hate it. My physical life, I want to do a little bit more strength training so I can support all of the hiking and outdoors stuff that I do and also build muscle as I am in the downhill slide to 40 these days and to really commit to that, which I've never enjoyed as much as I enjoy being uh, being outdoors and 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 hiking and so sort of building a new relationship to that and coming back to some foundational aspects of my relationship with myself that helps me feel like I am on more even footing. So I love words just to help guide us and I think guide our goals and our process and again to define that process and those relationships that we want to change. And so I think if I think about these things as this year is about building foundations and it's about a a big inhale. I love this question. Is it an, are you on an inhale or an exhale? It's about a big inhale, taking some stuff in, building these foundations so that I am better able to exhale, to let go a little bit, to take a breath, to spread my wings, to reach my branches out just like that tree. And it requires that I build this foundation for myself first. And so I just wanted to share that because it's always nice to share, share our goals with some friends. I think it helps, it helps keep us a little bit more accountable. I hope this was helpful. I, I really want to invite you in the year 2024 to Allow yourself to exist in the in-betweens because if we're being honest, it might all be in-between. It might be in-between birth and death that this life unfolds. It might be in our idea of where we are now and where we would like to be that life happens to us and occurs. And I think that the process is so beautiful. And I've been exploring a lot about other people's creative processes lately. And we're going to explore some of that on the podcast as well. And so some other concepts of process, including 
processes of work and creation and ways that we can we can expand our branches and we can gain more sun. And I think for me, that's one of the biggest tickets, right? Like I want that strong foundation because I want to maximize the sun that I am taking in, the joy that I am taking in, the the vivacity and the love that I am able to take in. And for me this year, it's about building a foundation for that, for me to expand outwards into the sun to be able to photosynthesize more. And I want to hear all about your goals, your processes, anything that this podcast brought up with you, feel free to shoot me an email, kate at groundworkcollective.com or drop into my DMs on Instagram and we'll chat. Thank you so much for being here. Ooh, one last thing actually, one last thing. For those of you that are still listening, I am going to be offering some one-on-ones with me this year. And so if that is something that you have been interested in, I think we will talk about it on the podcast first. Um, Those of you might not know this, but I am a nutrition therapy practitioner. I did do two years of coursework for that. But I have also done thousands and thousands of hours of research and study on healing bodies uh, with food in particular, but also movement and and some mental practices. Uh, Several years ago, I was part of a terrible group um, of healing group that actually uh, gave me a lot of insight. But one of the things that the the director of the group said is that we should follow the healed people. And I I really loved this at the time. Um, And I will say I am not completely healed, but I am well on my way. And I do think that we should find follow people that have found that, but I also think we need to recognize that our path might be different than theirs, which is why I've always been reticent to talk much about this on social media. And I'll be offering some one-on-one appointments. I'm not going to do a fancy website. I'm just going to offer them. But if you have wanted to work with me, now would be that chance as I decide how I, I feel about taking on private clients and building that. And that will be available to you really soon if you're super interested and you want to get on a wait list. If you just shoot me an email at kate at groundworkcollective.com, I'll get you on a wait list so you'll be the first to know when those appointments open up. And with that, I'm going to close this podcast and thank you all for being here and wish you an incredibly happy new year. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mind, Body, and Soil podcast. If what you found resonated with you, may I ask that you share it with your friends or leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts? This act of reciprocity helps others find mind, body, and soil. If you're looking for more, you can find us at groundworkcollective.com and at Kate underscore Kavanaugh, that's K-A-T-E underscore K-A-V-A-N-A-U-G-H on Instagram. I would like to give a very special thank you to China and Seth Kent of the band All Right, All Right for the clips from their beautiful song Over the Edge from their album The Crucible. 
You can find them at All Right All Right on Instagram and wherever you listen to music.